2019 is just a couple days away. It's been, this is the typical time of the year where we look back, review the past year, we look ahead, dream about what's to come in 2019. 2018 was a great year for New Life Church, amen? We had John's retirement after 35 years of ministry. Amazing. And the arrival of Pastor Larry and Harriet. Our pulpit committee was formed in 2017. We put together a wildly diverse group of people who would be in charge of choosing our next pastor. The Holy Spirit empowered them in a mighty way, and God let us Pastor Larry. <clears throat> Can the members of that, the pulpit committee please stand for just a second? We want to thank you for all the hard work that you did. Thank you so much. We praise God for each and every one of you. We had a transition team. Can members of the, the transition committee stand up? We had two. We want to thank you as well. Praise God for you. We had two really pretty amazing parties, did we not? One for uh, John's retirement party and then Pastor Larry's ordination. So we thank you guys for all the work that you did. Uh, I would I'd like to encourage just a few of you to shout out some thanksgivings, not only for the pulpit committee, the transition team, but other things that you are thankful for in 2018. So as Pastor Larry said, just a couple popcorn prayers. Uh, praise out and thank God for 2018. And then I'll finish in a couple minutes. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for your prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, we give you praise. Lord, we give you thanks for all these things and all the things that we are pondering in our heart even as we think over the last year. You've been gracious to us. We give you honor and praise, and we give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. For Christians, we are constantly looking back and constantly looking forward. We look back and ponder the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We look ahead to his return. And here's the one of the most significant things you can contemplate in your life. Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus Christ, his return is guaranteed. We will be looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians today, chapter 5. So let's stand and we'll read the word together. Very short but powerful scripture. So with me, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's, uh, let's read that again. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and ask that you will empower this moment by your Holy Spirit that these would not just be words coming out of my mouth, but they would be words coming directly from you to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The main idea for today's sermon is this. The return of Christ 
empowers us to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. The return of Christ empowers us to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. The book of 1 Thessalonians is one of the Apostle Paul's first letters written. He wrote it to the believers in Thessalonica, mainly to encourage their faith in the midst of persecution. If you go to Acts chapter 17, you will see Paul, along with Silas, starting this church in the city of Thessalonica. Thessalonica was the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. Religiously, this city was committed to all the gods that the Romans worshipped. There was a large Jewish population in Thessalonica as well. When Paul entered that city, he went to the synagogue, which was his custom, and he began to preach the word of God. And the Lord, the Spirit of God, anointed that preaching, and many were saved, converts within the city, and so the church of Thessalonica was born. Immediately, as is the case, the Jews became jealous of Paul and Silas, and they began to stir up dissension. They took Jason, who was Paul and Silas's host in that city, along with his family, and they brought him before the authorities. Here is their accusation before the Romans. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Wouldn't you love to have the reputation of turning the world upside down? Paul, an amazing man of God, amazing preacher of his word. He was just following the story of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you remember, turning the world upside down. He, too, was being, being accused. He was accused of a king against the reign of Caesar. Eventually, Jason was released, but all this commotion caused Paul and Silas to leave Thessalonica. Months later, Paul was concerned about this new church that he helped establish, and he sent Timothy to the Thessalonians to see how they were doing. And Timothy returned and largely gave a good report, but he had some concerns. Many, mainly, the Christians were being persecuted and some had died. Their family members had a concern that those who had died would miss out on the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this letter to offer both encouragement and correction. We're at the end of the book, what many Bibles label Paul's final thoughts. This is the place where the Apostle Paul, often in his writings, his letters, would give some final thoughts and give a prayer to close his letter. Final thoughts and usually some kind of benediction. Although these are Paul's final thoughts, they are deeply connected to the rest of the book to the rest of this letter. They're not just kind of random thoughts in the mind of Paul. His final thoughts in this letter of 1 Thessalonians, his focus is on prayer, praise, and gratitude. Praise, prayer, and gratitude. So, first point, rejoice always. The second coming of Jesus Christ empowers our praise. We are to rejoice always. As a way of correcting and encouraging the Thessalonians, Paul writes these words in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound 
the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We are able to rejoice because of the hope that Jesus Christ, our Messiah, is coming back to take us home. Amen? The picture that we have here is the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes back to earth. The imagery that Paul is picking up on is a Roman procession. When a Roman Caesar, their king, entered a city, it was his expectation that the delegates of that city, his delegates, along with all the people of that place, would come out to greet him. Chapter 4 says that we will greet Jesus in the sky, shouting our praises to him as he triumphantly comes back to earth. In high school, I was a part of the marching band. I played tenor saxophone for the Potsdam Senior High School Marching Band. I was an okay musician, but I could march the heck out of any performance. The Lord gave me that grace. Our band would play at halftime during the football games. We would also perform for cavalcades and my favorite for parades, usually on holidays like the 4th of July. I still remember the pageantry of these parades. The drummers playing their cadences. The band marching line by line down High Street, which was the main strip going for miles down the heart of Pottstown. And at the right moment, the drum majorette would shout out her orders. We, the band, would raise our instruments, and a wall of sound would penetrate the crowd standing on either side of the street. They would begin to cheer and clap and celebrate the performance at hand. Now, if the people of Pottstown got excited over our little old band, can you imagine the enthusiasm at the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? The archangel gives his cry of command, the trumpets sound, the dead are raised, and we all who are still alive go to meet Jesus in the sky to cheer and celebrate the the return of our Messiah. Now, Can you imagine what a procession of angels looks like? And Jesus coming in full glory. This gives a proper perspective to know how to rejoice. We have the hope of the return, the future return of our Messiah, our Savior, our champion, the Lord Jesus Christ. We often think of hope as this kind of future commodity, our minds fixed on the future, in this case, upon the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But hope is a future mindset that empowers the present reality. So take a moment right now just to close your eyes and think of the return of Jesus Christ. That reality should empower everything you do. And it should empower you each and every time you come into this church to worship. Every Sunday you are cheering on Jesus who has won victory over the grave, who has saved you from the coming wrath of God, who has empowered you by his Holy Spirit for godly living each 
and every day. So stir up your passions. If you are a more reserved person by nature, that's okay. That is how God has made you. That's okay for six days of the week. But it's not okay for Sunday. There should be no reservation in our hearts as we come to worship our King. Now, I understand. If you're reserved by nature, it's hard sometimes to stir up your passions. It feels unnatural. It feels like you're forcing it. That's okay. Stir them up nonetheless. Because Jesus Christ is coming back. And he is empowering you for this moment of worship. Jesus Christ coming back, it empowers our rejoicing and our praise. Secondly, the coming of Christ empowers and gives us the ability to pray without ceasing. There are three prayers of Paul that divide the book of Thessalonians into two sections. There is an initial prayer in chapter 1, and this leads to the first section of the book, chapters 1 through 3, in which Paul remembers the faith of the Thessalonians the moment they first believed. Paul says they turned away from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. There is a reference, again, to the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is all throughout this whole book. Paul prays a second prayer in chapter 3, which serves as a transition to the second part of the book, verses four through five, chapters 4 through 5, in which Paul offers a challenge to the Thessalonians to grow in love and holiness, especially in sexual purity. Paul concludes the book with a final prayer of hope that God would keep the Thessalonians in holiness as they await the second coming of Christ. It was my friend Tim Conklin who, during our time together in seminary, taught me to use the prayers of Paul's in his letters as a model for my own prayers. I remember that being such an incredible idea to me. Up until that point, nobody ever taught it to me. So I pass it on to you today. I want to share these three prayers of Paul in this book as a model for your prayers in 2019. Remember, these prayers are all empowered by the future hope of Christ's return. That is the backdrop behind all of Paul's prayers for the Thessalonians. The first prayer of Paul, a prayer of thanksgiving to God for faith, love, and hope. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gave his heart to the Thessalonians. In chapter 2, Paul describes his relationship with them as gentle, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. That is really intimate language. He goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Who are you intimate with? Who have you given your very self to? Your children? Your dear friends? Other members of New Life Church? Give thanks for them throughout 2019, remembering them constantly 
in your prayers. It is common for many of us to take just a few moments to pray for those we love. In 2019, I want to challenge us to up our game and devote more time in prayer for those we love. As with all New Year's resolutions, there will be failures along the way. Days in which you hardly pray for anyone. But be prepared for this. Most people, you know, I'm sure you know this, most people quit their New Year's resolutions once they taste failure for the first time. But if you lower your expectations and realize you will have moments of temporary failure, then you will be more than prepared to begin again and go after the goal of praying for people in 2019. Paul's second prayer, a prayer for endurance, increase in love, holiness, and hope for the Thessalonians as they look to the second coming of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13 says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Paul makes it clear in this letter that holiness is important. When I say holiness, what's your first thought? For many, we think of a grumpy old man who's only interested in other people doing what he says, following the rules. But God is not a grumpy old man. He is not concerned with you obeying the rules simply because he says so. He wants you to be like him because he wants to enjoy a deeply intimate relationship with you each and every day. That is what holiness is all about. Holiness is less about the rules and more about relationships. Pray that, you, that those you love may grow in that type of holiness in 2019. The third prayer of Paul, a prayer of sanctification. That God would keep the Thessalonians holy until Jesus comes back. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Here we are challenged by Paul to pray that the whole existence of those we love will be kept blameless. Spirit, soul, and body is Paul's way of saying the whole person. Ask God to keep those you love blameless in the entirety of their life. That their whole person may be completely sanctified. Verse 24 makes it clear how this is possible. It is possible for us to be blameless before God because he is faithful. He alone will accomplish this great work among us. We can't do it, but God will surely do it. God the Father sent his son Jesus to live a blameless life, to make all of us blameless in his sight before God the Father, especially on the day of judgment. Pray for it. Pray for it for those you love. In 2019, let us use Paul's prayers for the Thessalonians as a model for our own prayers. Number one, to give thanks for the other people as we remember them in our prayers. Number two, to pray for their endurance that they may increase in love. And number three, pray that God make them more and more holy as they focus 
on the coming of Jesus Christ. The coming of Christ, it empowers us to rejoice. It empowers us also to pray. And finally, it gives, it gives us power to give thanks in all circumstances. The second coming of Christ empowers our gratitude. Paul says an amazing thing as he commands the Thessalonians to give thanks. He qualifies it by saying, in all circumstances. It's a pretty stunning thing, considering the fact that the Christians in Thessalonica were persecuted and many died, presumably at the hand of their persecutors. That was their circumstances. In my last sermon, I shared pretty honestly about the sufferings my family has gone through over the past two years. I am here to testify that things have gotten better for us. Through your prayer, amen is right. Amen. Hashtag hallelujah. I love you, Pastor Larry. (laughs) Through your prayers and by God's grace, we are starting to come up for air. The the sufferings appear to be coming to an end for, for now. Throughout these two years of sufferings, God kept giving me this scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5. He kept giving it to me over and over and over again, and now I share it with you. At the recommendation of a friend, I began to give thanks in all circumstances, both good and bad. Now, I'm not here to pretend that, that was always mis- I was always Mr. Holy. There was times where I was giving thanks through gritted teeth. I'm going to confess it. But I gave thanks nonetheless, and God did a mighty work in my family. Give thanks in all circumstances must be understood in light of Christ's final victory his return. When we thank God for hard circumstances, we are declaring his victory. I've taught on this before. Giving thanks for the hard does not mean we simply put on a happy face. And it certainly doesn't mean that we don't lament or grieve. You all know, most of you know, that Amy's mother died in September. And there isn't a day that doesn't go by that we do not grieve her loss. But not as people without hope. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14 says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, including Amy's mother. This truth informs our thanksgiving. By giving thanks for hard circumstances of life, we are saying to the world and to our enemy, Satan, we may grieve now. We may cry now. We may even be defeated for a moment, but Christ has the final victory. Amen? In the end, Jesus Christ wins. He will return in the clouds and come back home for us. In her book, the hiding place, Corey Tenboom relates an incident that taught her to be thankful for things we normally would not be thankful for. She and her sister Betsy, prisoners of the Nazis, had just been transferred to the worst prison camp they had been at yet, a place called Ravensbrück. Upon entering the barracks, they found them extremely overcrowded and infested with fleas. Their scripture reading from their smuggled Bible that morning was 1 Thessalonians 5. 
It reminded them to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. Corey at first refused to give thanks for the fleas, but Betsy persisted. Corey finally thanked, agreed somehow to thank God for even the fleas. During the months spent at that camp, they were surprised to find how openly they could hold Bible study and prayer meetings at the barracks, in their barracks, without guard interference. Several months later, they learned that the guards would not enter the barracks because of the fleas. God alone has a complete perspective on all things. Often, only the God who commands us to give thanks understands why. So here is your homework for this coming week and throughout 2019. Number one, think of two aspects of God's nature you want to praise him for in 2019. One easy way to do this is by simply looking up the names of God. For example, Nehemiah 9.17 says, it describes God as the God ready to pardon. As God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Plenty of things in that verse alone to praise God for in the new year. Number two, think of two new people for which you will pray for in 2019. I'm sure there are plenty of people that you already pray for, but think, ask God to give you two new people. To put two new people in your heart that you will pray for this year, in the coming new year. And number three, give thanks to God in your current circumstances, whether good or bad, or a mixture of both. Make a commitment to give thanks to God for all things throughout 2019. I'm really excited about 2019. What will God do in my life? What will he do in my family? And what will he do here at New Life Church? Are you excited? Are you excited for 2019? The challenge before you today is from 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. This is your charge. The knowledge of Christ's return will empower you to fulfill this charge in the new year. Let's pray.